0: Lord, King of glory, we want to bless you for today and yet another day. And our prayer is that since you've helped us to come to salvation, you'll keep us in this same spirit, and Lord, that we shall be among the remnant that make you to eternity. Just like Israel, my father had the remnant. That is our prayer. In every situation and wherever we may be, and every challenge that we are facing in the spirit, I want to pray that you never lose out on who you are. In Jesus' in my name we have prayed and believed. Amen, amen. Friend, you're welcome here to another episode of our teachings in the book of Amos. And right now we are handling the third chapter, um, Amos chapter 3, verse 9 to 15, under a theme that is entitled, um, God is Punishment of Israel. God's is Punishment of Israel. Last time we looked at um, um, Israel's guilt and offense, and uh, we realized that um, now God comes in with the punishment uh, upon them. Now, what you're going to see in this passage basically is that one, God permits um, Israel's enemies uh, to come upon her uh, in two ways. One, to witness to witness her deplorable situation, but also to use them to take her into um, captivity or punishment. And then secondly, what God does here is he looks at the offense of Israel. He summarizes the offense of Israel into two And uh, we're going to be seeing that basically pointing to idolatry and uh, (coughs) injustice and exploitation of the innocent, uh, basically that. But the good news is that there is a remnant that uh, makes it through this ordeal of punishment. Let me just read this quickly. Um, In uh, Amos chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Proclaim on the citadels in Ashirod and on the citadels of the land of Egypt, Say and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria and see the great tumults within her and the oppressions in her midst. But they don't know how to do what is right, declares the Lord, uh, these who hold up violence and devastation in their citadels. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, an army, even one surrounding the land. Will pull down your strength from you, and your citadels will be looted. Thus says the Lord. Uh, just as the shepherd snatches from the lion's mouth a couple of legs or pieces, or a piece of an ear, so will the son of Israel, so will the sons of Israel dwelling in Samaria be snatched away, with the corner of a bed and the cover of a couch. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord God, the God of hosts. Uh, For on the day that I punish Israel's transgressions, I'll also punish the outers of Bethel. The horns of the outer will be cut off, and they will fall to the ground. I'll also smite the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will also perish, and the great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. I just wanted to read that uh, that, um, verbatim. But, friends, what we see here is very clear, just like we started by um, elucidating and summarizing the message that we have here. What you see here is that one God permits Israel's enemies to come upon her, what you realize in the passage is, first of all, God says Assyria and Egypt should come and look at the citadels of Judah. And he says because they don't know what they are doing. In other words, they are committing sin. And so I'm permitting you, nations, Enemy nations to come and and just watch, as if to say, uh, ridicule her. You can look down on her. It is permitted now. Uh, please come. I'm permitting you to come and look at uh, the, their failure and uh, the the way they appear right now. And friend, that is a terrible thing uh, for 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 us to have. You see. Secondly. Uh, God says that a foreign nation will come and will beat you and will take you away. And basically is referring to um, what happens in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 6, when Assyria came and took Israel away into captivity. Friends, the, um, the lesson that we can derive here is that when we walk into sin, we are opening up inroads and we are giving access to the enemy to come into our lives and to battle us up. You see? Maybe you're praying for something for some time and it seems not to be working. And there are particular things that we face in our lives because of our sin. That is a principle in scripture. We need to be very careful about that, my dear friends. We need to be careful about that. You see, when we walk into sin, there are things and there are pains that come into our direction just because of the weather, we are walking you see if you're walking in some sort of sin, friend you cannot exactly enjoy the peace that you should when you're walking well with the lord huh? when you hate people when you walk into morality you know when you snatch someone's property and you take it do you think if someone has a conscience they're going to enjoy the property that they have snatched from another you know on their land that cannot be let me just give you an example here and sometimes the lord permits these enemies to come but sometimes he comes against us as an adversary this is what happened in uh, the days of king solomon look at first kings chapter 11 i just want to quote a few verses a couple of verses for us to see and understand this very well in verse 11 first kings 11 says uh, that um And so the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this, what? Um, Marrying with foreign women who came with their own gods. And then he started worshipping them. And God says, the Lord says to Solomon, because you've done this and you've not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom um, from you and I will give it to your servant.'" Uh, look at verse um, 14, what he does there. Then the Lord raised up an adversary to Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. He was of the royal line in Edom. And verse 23, says, uh, when you look at 23, God says, And God also raised up another adversary to him, Rezon, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord Hadadezer, king of Zobah. You see, all those enemies are being permitted by God. Verse twenty six, uh, verse twenty six uh, says, and, uh, and then Jeroboam the son of Nebat, an Ephramite of Zereda, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zerua, a widow, also rebelled against the king. You see that when we walk into morality, you leave your wife, you go find another girl; you leave your husband, you go find another girl. The first thing that will happen is you're going to lose all your peace. And then you find a family that was praying together, cannot pray together anymore. They are fighting, they are quarreling, they are dividing property and stuff like that. You see, when you're cheating at work, you lose your moral authority to condemn the same sin. And people get to start speaking against you, about you, and stuff of that nature. You cannot walk in peace. You can't walk in confidence some of these things are going to build a, a very bad track record about you. You go to apply for another job. And when they try to do background checks, they tell them, ah, that one, no way. You see, those kind of things. You can't have your peace. And secondly, it opens up the way uh, to, uh, for attack, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, the Lord speaks of uh, when we commit sin, he, he speaks of us becoming his enemies. But the good news is that the Lord has overcome sin and therefore we can run to him through Christ Jesus who overcame and overpowered the one that had the power over death and that is the devil himself in Hebrews 2.14. Lastly, the thing that we see here are the offenses that God um, chooses Israel of. You know, he doesn't come out directly to say them but when you look at... um, the plot of the book you realize what he's talking about here uh, when we go to amos in chapter 3 you're going to realize the offenses here one it is idolatry amos chapter 3 and verse 14 he says for on the day that i punish israel's transgressions i'll also punish the outers of bethel what does he mean there he is basically pointing to idolatry he is pointing to the idolatry of these people. When you go to First Kings in chapter twelve, what you realize here, my friend, is that um, um, this man Jeroboam, set up idol worship in a place called Bethel. And when he says that he's going to beat down the altars of Bethel, what he actually means is uh, nothing else but. Uh, basically, idolatry that is what he's pointing to. Look at verse 29 and 30 of First Kings chapter 12. Uh, this is what he says here He says here that he set up, he set one in Bethel, meaning outers, and the other he put in Dan. Now, this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. You see that. He's, he's pointing to idolatry. God is basically judging them and permitting enemy nations to come and ridicule them and beat them up and take them into captivity because of this sin. But there's something that the Spirit of God teaches here. Originally, at this altar of Bethel or this place of Bethel was a prominent place of proper proper divine worship. It was a prominent place of the worship of the God of heaven. When you go to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8, You realize that as soon as Abraham got into the promised land, he set up an altar and was worshiping the Lord from Bethel. You see, in in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 8, he says, Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. You hear that? So, Bethel was a holy place. In fact, the name Bethel actually means house of God. In Genesis chapter 28 and verse 17, when uh, uh, Jacob was running away from his brother, um, he got a vision of angels descending and ascending from heaven. And when he woke up, this is the kind of prayer that he makes, or the kind of communication or utterance that he makes. In verse 17, he says, In Genesis 28 he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is uh, none other than the house of God and uh, this is the gate of heaven do you hear that so uh, and then he says so Jacob rose early in the morning and took a stone and he had the stone that he had put under his head and uh, he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it on his top he called the name of the place Bethel However, previously the name of the city had been Luz, meaning the house of God, owing this to the angels descending and ascending, eh? of course bringing the glory of the Lord into that place. So the point we are making here is be very careful about things that are sacred in your life. People that are prayerful, people that are ministers like me, you can be desecrated in the line of your ministry. And fellow ministers, you can end up messing up with those girls in the counseling room, worship team leaders, you can end up messing with a worship team member. You see, we are saying the very bathroom that God has put in your life, the very place that is the house of God in your life, can end up being a point of desecration and being used of the devil. That office, which is meant to be for the glory of God, can end up being, you know, misused. Married woman, you can end up messing up in that home, in that family, in that marriage. And this is what God wants us to be careful about and to change. And and this is why he says on the day that he comes to judge, he is going to beat up the outer in Bethel. He'll beat the horns and the horns point at authority, as we see in Revelation they even point to nations in revelation but they basically point to power he's saying i'm going to break the power of the outer at bethel because it is nothing to me the things that we focus on friends that take us away from god is dentally or eventually don't have much power and they shouldn't hold on or unto us or we shouldn't hold on unto them Finally, he judges exploitation and plunder. When you look at uh, verse 15, he says that, um, I will also smite the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will also perish and the great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. Like we said earlier, these guys were exploiting the poor and amassing a lot of wealth. We are talking of um, a nation that is in the wilderness. But here you can see they they had summer houses, they had winter houses. You know, they were living in luxury, that is what it means. But out of exploitation of others, like people can cheat government money and end up um, setting up all these luxurious mansions and they, they live an out-of-the-world life here. You see, God is saying, um, that is going to come to nothing. I shall beat it up. There's a verse that I love. It is in Amos chapter 6. <laughs> and uh, verse um, I think it is verse, when you go to Amos uh, chapter 6, it is verse 13. It says, You who rejoice in Lodeba and say, Have we not by our own strength taken Canaim for ourselves? Lodeba means uh, Lodeba means nothing. They had gone and conquered cities like Lodeba. I think this one was a city from Edom. Um, and they had taken it. They say, We are great. But the name interpreted Lodeba means nothing. So figuratively, it says, What you've conquered means nothing. You know, they had taken Canaim, uh, they had taken over. Uh, can I and they are taking all these cities but when God looks at them uh, as far as he is concerned I mean they come to nothing they they really come to nothing the things that are taking us away from God hmm, can I means horns it means power but he says I'm going to break you see the play of words like the verse where we are coming from I'm going to break those horns The power that you're counting on is nothing. And the Lordeba, the city that you're counting on, is nothing. Basically, that is what he means. And friends, that is why the word of the Lord teaches in Matthew 24, 35, that uh, the world um, and the heavens are going to end or come to nothing, but those who trust in the Lord will endure forever. Friends, put your trust in Christ and that is going to endure forever. The good news is that there will be a remnant among the Israelites. He says in... um, uh, verse, uh, what verse is that? He says in verse 12 here, he says, uh, Just as the Lord, uh, the shepherd snatches from the lion's mouth a couple of legs or a piece of an, an ear, so will the sons of Israel dreading in Samaria be snatched away. Finally, there will be a remnant in one way or the other. There will surely be a remnant, friends. God is not going to entirely destroy these Israelites, even when they were evil. But even then, he says, in Romans chapter 9, speaking of Israel, when when he, he speaks of the remnant, he says it will be those that will be holy. In uh, Romans 9, 27, he says, Isaiah cries out um, concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. You see, the remnant will be saved. In Romans 11, 5, he says, that in the same way then there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to god's glorious choice or gracious choice there will be people that shall remain over may god bless you and uh, as you count on christ may he make you part of the remnant those that will have faith in christ jesus uh, will be remnant even when he comes to destroy the world he speaks and he says that if the days of tribulation were not cut short, there would not have been a remnant. But I want to pray, friend, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, if you turn around and you come to Christ, you surely be made part of the remnant. May the Lord bless you. Father, make us part of your remnant and help us not to count on the on the laudables that are nothing, on, on foreign outers and outers of convenience like what Bethel wants, people worshiping wherever they wanted instead of going to Jerusalem. Those outers of convenience are going to be destroyed destroyed in amos chapter 7 and later on you show us that you'll consume the outers lord we are counting on you help us to focus on you and you alone in jesus my name have prayed and believed amen god bless you